Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really worry like Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Once again, it is me, Kent Wyrock, coming at you live. We're looking forward to week three coming up here. Uh, a couple of weeks in the books. Uh, how, how are you guys doing in your leagues? Uh, any uh, undefeated records so far? My only undefeated league is a Scott Fishbowl right now. Ooh! I'm with you, Okada. I'm also undefeated in that league. I am undefeated oh, in us. two dynasty leagues. My redraft leagues are all one and one at this point in time. So, uh, I, decent I'm start. sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I I let you down here. I am one and one in the Scott Fishbowl. Oh, after Kent, what are you doing, uh, man? It, listen, though, week one between Matt Stafford and Derek Carr, I got negative points in my quarterback <laughs> slots. That's impressive. Negative man. Wow. points. Impressive. I know, and I still scored like 150 on the week because everyone else was just playing out of their mind, but it was terrible. But anyway, welcome back to the Red Shirts. Uh, We're going to go ahead and jump right into all the important stuff we got to talk about today. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I know that Okada is going to be very happy. For this piece of news, and I think most of you who are listening to this podcast already know what we're going to talk about. Josh Gordon, Flash himself, has been traded to the New England Patriots for a fifth-round pick. And now I'm understanding that they might get back a seventh-round pick if he plays a certain amount of games or, or, or something to that effect. Uh, but, yeah, Okada, tell me how you're feeling right now. Well, Kent, <laughs> I'm feeling <clears throat> very, very well. In fact, yeah, you sound like it. <laughs> I would, I would prefer. Well, yes, except for my actual physical well-being, which I'm not feeling great. But in regards to fantasy football and football in general, and my beloved Patriots and Josh Gordon, I'm feeling pretty ecstatic. In fact, I'm thinking of changing my name to Matthew Josh Gordon on the Patriots Okada, <laughs> <laughs> because this is possibly the greatest news in the history of football. My one of my favorite non-Patriot players has found his way onto my favorite team. And, by the way, they fleeced the Browns for this. I think like, so, too. I, I don't yeah. know what the Browns were thinking. They they made a bad move announcing they were going to release him ahead of time, which I feel like just appreciates the value you can get. And, basically, they're either getting a elite starter or a very good receiver, or if he doesn't play and he you know, relapses into Josh Gordon of old, they're just dropping from a fifth-round pick to a seventh-round pick. That was the conditional based off 10 games. You have to play 10 games. So this is pretty much a no-lose situation for the Patriots, and I'm not going to say Randy Moss 07, but oh, you know, no. Randy Moss Oh, here we go, yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, this is the easiest comparison, right, is the Randy Moss to the Patriots, and everyone's been throwing it out. I don't think anyone's really expecting truly that scenario, no. but no. Uh, it's certainly exciting. Betts, how do you, how do you feel about it? I am a little bit lukewarm on this. Uh, I wish our listeners could just kind of see Okada's face as he smiles ear to ear with the excitement. Um, I'm excited for the upside that is there. I'm just not sure it's going to happen. 
listen, this is probably the widest range of outcomes possible for any player in the NFL. He could literally be Randy Moss of 07 or, like we talked about, Kent on the waiver pod, out of the league in two in two weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of taking a back seat and just kind of letting this thing play out before I really get on board and get excited. Uh, the other thing we have to think about, too, and Okada, feel free to jump in with this since you're plugged into the Patriot news, uh, is what does this do to Chris Hogan and Edelman coming back in just two weeks? Yeah, um, I don't think it does much to Edelman. I think Edelman has his role in this offense, and it's nothing like what Josh Gordon's role will be. Um, it is, however, Gordon's role, pretty much exactly what Chris Hogan's role has been, uh, except when he's been trying to fill in as an Edelman. But basically, when Edelman comes back and Gordon is up to speed, that takes Hogan from a wide receiver two in my books to non-startable completely. I think that he, I think he loses all of his downfield and most of his touchdown value with Gordon in play, and I think he loses his uh, high reception or high target slot value once Edelman's back. So this is definitely rough for Hogan owners. Yeah, I agree. I, I was kind of excited about Hogan this year, and after week one, it was a little sketchy, and he actually turned around week two against a much tougher matchup, so that was kind of intriguing, but this is certainly worrisome for him going forward. I am excited for Josh Gordon. I'm not ready to call him uh, an elite wide receiver one, but I, I think uh, there's definitely upside playing with Tom Brady, so let's go no, on and, to the... And, oh, uh, yeah. really, quick and really quick, in all seriousness, as much as I love this for my Patriots... This offense is not easy to learn, and receivers that have come into it have said this vocally, that it can be difficult when you come into the Patriots offense, so don't go don't go crazy just yet. There's a good chance it takes Gordon a little while to get caught up to speed, um, but once he does, if he does, this could be pretty sweet. Agreed. All right, let's go on to the next piece of news. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown. This is now the second Steeler who has not shown up to work recently. He skipped uh, practice and walkthrough and film review and everything on Monday. He did not show up. Uh, it was all over Twitter and the media, and people were wondering if he was holding out for a trade or anything like that. Uh, Tomlin pretty much talked everyone off the cliff and said there's not much to it, and he'll he'll get to talk to him in private. Uh, he has since returned to practice. He's been there. Uh, was it yesterday? Or t- I know he was there today, but I think he returned today i think he was yeah meetings today yeah the, yeah, the so, patriots have off or sorry patriots we're talking too much about the patriots uh the steelers yep. have off on tuesdays i saw that as a reporter ah, tweeted okay. out. so um wednesday he came sense. back today sure so he's back at practice uh as far as i'm aware nothing really to be concerned about here uh if anything it's squeaky gil- squeaky wheel gets the grease uh and look forward to a big week three from ab i don't know thoughts I mean, it's a little odd because you're, you're saying squeaky wheel gets the grease, but I don't know how much more grease he can get. He's been getting like 16 or 17 targets a game. Um, and so are they going to give him 20 targets a game to stop his whining? I don't really know. I know he's not been getting quite as much downfield work, so maybe that's his complaint, but I really don't understand what his issue is. This whole Steelers organization just seems to be troubled. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of sharing the sentiment with with Kent on this one. I, I think that he's in for a huge night on Monday Night Football. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the best in the game, and, and he's going to, to produce, especially after he basically tried to show someone up on Twitter who said that he is the result of, of Big Ben um, feeding him all of this production. So I think he's going to come out and absolutely just feast on Monday Night Football. 
Um, it doesn't do much for him season long. I mean, it's Antonio Brown. You're playing him without question. Yeah, 16 targets uh, week one, 17 targets week two. I think he's due for now 40 targets week three. Does that sound right to you guys? Seems legit. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think that's pretty much all there is to say about this right now. Uh, on to a signing. This is one about my Minnesota Vikings. We cut the rookie, the fifth-round rookie kicker, Daniel Carlson, and we instead signed Dan Bailey, the former Cowboys' second-most accurate all-time kicker to our team. So... Uh, I think he's worth picking up. I mean, good offense, good kicker, right? Oh yeah, I got. I went out and snagged him immediately. Not that you know, kickers are the main focus of this podcast, but this is pretty big as far as kickers go. We're talking about one of the better kickers in history on one of the best offenses in the league right now. So mm-hmm. he's a great ad, and also kudos to the Vikings for just squashing this whole kickers ruining games and the NFL situation that's been happening recently. Seriously, legitimately, if I was the kicker for the Browns, they would be 2-0. This is <laughs> horrific. Oh, I hope that's, that's true. Uh, <laughs> are you trying to get a contract over the pot? Yes. I, I don't know how likely that is, but call me Hugh. Shot. Call yeah. me. <laughs> okay, let's let's go ahead and move past it because that's enough kicker talk. But no, I'm just kidding. Um Jordan Matthews now has come back to sign with the Eagles, given that Mike Wallace has been placed on injured reserve with a broken fibula. Uh, he went out of last game, was wearing a boot, and uh, everyone was kind of seeing that and you know worried he was going to be done, and he is in fact done. So not not a huge amount of takeaway here on Mike Wallace. He did uh, pretty much nothing in the first couple weeks. So uh, I don't know. Is there any interest in Jordan Matthews? I'm kind of intrigued. Um, it's it's an interesting situation just given the career path that Matthews has taken so far. Obviously, he started his career in Philadelphia, um, and then his career kind of got derailed by some injuries, lingering knee issues, and then playing with the Bills, which that will definitely derail your career. Um, and a short stint with the Patriots. So now he's, he's kind of back home in Philly where it all started, um, and he's had success there, so we, we've seen that. The thing that I'm kind of concerned about is, is Nelson Aguilar in this situation and the fact that you know, we saw Aguilar break out last year when he moved into the slot and he was very productive. This year through two games, he's proven that again. He's been awesome through the slot. But Jordan Matthews, that's what he does. He is a slot receiver. So I just don't know what's going to shake out there in terms of where each of those guys plays. As an Elson Aguilar owner, I hope that they keep him in the slot. Um, but again, not sure what's going to happen between the two of them. So we'll just have to see kind of over the next two weeks or so. Speaking of uh, the Scott Fishbowl, I snagged Jordan Matthews for a dollar. So hopefully, worth it. Hopefully, a little something. Yeah, there. worth the speculative yeah, ad for a dollar. Hard, hard to be mad, but um, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the injuries. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Bets, I want you to help me break down some of the injuries we had recently. There's a couple of kind of important ones. I think the top one here off the board is the biggest one, and. Joe Mixon undergoing uh, a really long word. No, I'm just kidding. It's arthroscopic, right? <laughs> arthroscopic, uh, yes. It just means there's yeah. a, a scope used, essentially. Um, yeah, so Joe Mixon uh, left Thursday Night Football last week in week two. He was kind of in and out of the game multiple times, and trainers on the sidelines were checking his knee. Reports came out the next day that he 
basically had a dislodged particle in his knee and that he was going to have to undergo surgery to remove it. Uh, we talked about this in more detail on our waiver pod, but basically um, a tiny piece of cartilage likely kind of flaked off of the bone. And when it gets stuck in the joint, it can limit your motion and cause swelling and irritate the joint. So they basically just go in through the scope, they take it out, and then the player is good to go within about two to three weeks. Um, the initial timeline was kind of right on track with that in that two to four week timeline. So not expected to be a long-term concern, not expected to be um, hampering him throughout the season. So a couple weeks out and then he's right back in there. Yeah, there's a uh, a guy named David Chow on Twitter who's the second best medical expert in the fantasy football room. Uh-huh. Obviously, Bet's being the first. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know about that, man. Uh, Chow's and, awesome. <laughs> technically, he's actually a doctor. I don't know if that helps, <laughs> but he uh, he kind of believes it'll be on the shorter end, the one to two week uh, end of things. So I'm kind of on that end too, and hopefully, he's just a hundred percent when he comes back in that timeline. Yeah. So. I don't really have much else to add onto this one. So um, I think we can go ahead and push forward to the next piece of news since we already talked about the Joe Mixon injury a little bit on that waiver pod. But uh, it's looking more and more like Jay Ajayi might be at risk of sitting out week three. Uh, This one comes at a little bit of a surprise to me. So Betts, tell me why this is is starting to happen midweek. Yeah, so Jay Ajayi... Uh, left the game in the first half on Sunday of week two, um, basically dealing with some back spasms. Exactly what was causing that, I don't know. The Eagles haven't really said much about it, but he did just play two snaps in the first half. Fortunately, if you started him, he didn't completely ruin your week. He came back in the second half and found the end zone. Um, but, you know, with, with Jay Jai here getting banged up and the offensive coordinator coming out and saying that there's a good chance he sits in week three, um, you have to wonder what is actually going on and who is going to step up in that backfield. We know that Darren Sproles is also banged up with a hamstring injury and he sat in week two. So if both of those guys sit um, in week three, which both did not practice today on on Wednesday, um, you have to let Corey Clement coming out of the gates here in week three as he will likely be the starter. Yeah, I think Corey Clement's very interesting in his backfield right now considering uh, you know, Sproles has been beat up, Ajayi's been beat up, and Clement was someone that people kind of pegged as a sleeper coming into this season. So he might get hit with that opportunity to uh, step up and produce. So I guess we'll keep an eye on it. Okada, do you have anything? Yeah, and I th- I think that we um, have kind of been maybe had some concerns about this Eagles offense and thought, oh, maybe it's taken a step back. But Carson Wentz is coming back, and Nick Foles has been – not the Nick Foles of the playoffs and or Super Bowl. So I think that makes a huge difference. Um, and that means pretty much every player starting in that offense should get a bump. So I definitely like the Clement take. All right, let's 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 go on and do another piece of news about someone who's returning from injury and I think is very, very exciting for uh, a lot of people. I have one particular member of this podcast. Carson Wentz is returning to action. He has been announced as the starter for week three for the Eagles. Betts, how do you, how do you feel? I feel about as happy as I've been in a very long time, and I probably have just as big of a smile on my face as Okada had for the Josh Gordon news. Um, this is my guy. This is my team. I'm so happy that he is back on the field um, from a fantasy perspective. From a medical perspective, I sort of wish they would have kept him out a little longer and just given that that knee more time to reduce the risk of her injury. We know that the retail rates for ACLs decreases as you get closer to that one-year mark. He's still just at about nine months out from a multi-ligament injury. 
Um, but I mean, the doctors that see him and the trainers that see him have to have to understand that, and they must see this guy move around at pa- in practice and training. Excuse me. So uh, if they're confident in him, then I've got to be confident in him. Um, what do you guys think? Are you rolling him out there in week three if you've got him? Yeah, if it was a tough matchup, I might not. I might try to wait and make sure he's there. But against the Colts, yes, is my answer. Roll him out. Yeah, it's a great matchup to come back to for sure against the Colts, which is one of the worst defenses, obviously, in the NFL. All right, yeah. Well, I mean, Wentz is exciting. So uh, we'll definitely have to watch him and hope he gets back to form. But let's go on to the next piece of news. Uh, LaShawn McCoy ended up getting a fractured rib cartilage uh, in week two. I think they originally thought he had fractured ribs, like the bones themselves, and it's kind of been since scaled back. So that's probably a little bit better, but still kind of worrisome considering uh, this Bills team is just not very exciting. So what what does this mean in terms of his injury, bets? Yeah, and actually what you mentioned there in terms of being a little bit better is what most people think. It's actually a little worse. Um, when the actual cartilage is damaged, it's a lot more painful than a fractured rib and it takes a little bit longer to heal. So this is going to be something that's going to hamper McCoy for potentially the rest of the season. He's going to try to play through it. That's kind of what reports say. And that's pretty typical for players that deal with these injuries. Um, they can use a variety of different, basically treatments, um, injections to the area to try to control pain. He'll probably be wearing a flak jacket to provide some extra padding and cushioning to the area. Um, but it's, probably the most painful injury for a player to play through. So um, things are going from bad to worse for McCoy in that Bills offense with this injury. Wow. I did not uh, I did not know that was worse. So that's uh, – I kind of have a Rube opinion there as far as uh, that goes. But that's, that's important to know. Uh, is there anyone worth adding in the Bills backfield beyond McCoy? No. Any – I, uh, I mean – Unless you're playing in a 20-team league and have no running backs, I do not want any, any piece. Uh, Marcus Murphy kind of looks flashy. I'm not going to uh, say he has any good opportunity with that team, uh, but if he were on any other team, I would be all over him, I think. But uh, unfortunately, he's in a very bad situation. So I, yeah, I tend the, to agree. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the problem. He could get you know 20 touches on that offense, and we always talk about volume being key, especially for running backs, but... I don't even know if that would make a difference. He's going to average two and a half yards per carry and get you no fantasy points. Agreed. All right, well, let's go on to kind of last big piece of news. We're talking about Devonta Freeman, who's been out uh, with a knee injury, and it sounds like Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Falcons, has no idea when Devonta Freeman's going to be back, and that worries you uh, quite a bit, I I, I would imagine. Betts, what – what does it look like on the injury front? Yeah, this definitely worries me. Um, I think when the reports came out after the week one injury, uh, it was looking pretty optimistic and there probably wasn't a lot of concern for fantasy owners. But like most people, my concern is growing with each piece of news that comes out. Basically, he re-aggravated uh, the injury to his right knee, which he injured last year towards the end of the year. He sprained his PCL and his MCL. Um, and essentially, with a sprained PCL, it doesn't fully heal um, like an MCL does. So they didn't do surgery on it. But you can play without a PCL being fully intact. His is not torn. It's just stretched, basically. Anytime a ligament is stretched inside the knee, there's more likely to have these kind of like shifting of the bones when you like plant and cut or have a, a gruesome tackle or, or kind of tweak the knee. And essentially, when that happens, the bones can quite literally impact each other. 
And that's what happened with uh, with Devonta Freeman. So he's got basically a significant bone bruise that he's dealing with, causing swelling, pain, soreness, and stiffness. Um, it's going to be something that I think we'll probably see pop up a couple of times throughout the year. I anticipate him coming back and playing, you know, two to three games and then potentially sitting out another two to three games. And it could just be one of those roller coaster rides for owners. Um, so I definitely am concerned about Freeman for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, it's scary. And it's especially because Tevin Coleman looks so good. They got a young guy in Edo Smith that I think we talked about was kind of exciting, worth a speculative ad. Um, yeah, no, it, it doesn't look good if you're a Freeman owner. And I say you're going to have to find some replacement options for the long term. If Yeah, and if he does come back um, in a couple of weeks and he looks even decent or good, I'm going to sell him immediately and try to use that production to sell. So I'm definitely uh, out on him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I pretty much agree with bets uh, on that and on everything else too. This is uh, it's not ideal, and even if he does come back um, and plays well, it's I feel like there's a decent chance that he gets injured again or aggravates something, um, and that's why I kind of you know when people come back from injury and they play well, sometimes you want to think, okay, they're they're good, they're good to go. I want to keep them on my team. I think this is the kind of situation where you do want to ship off. So I agree with bets there. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to a last couple of quick hitting pieces of news, just kind of like minor things to keep track of. Larry Fitzgerald was de- dealing with a minor hamstring injury, but is expected to play. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Uh, also, Dalvin Cook left week two with a hamstring injury. It was reported as cramping. Uh, now, I understand he showed up at practice, but didn't really practice. It was kind of a, a weird report. There was like a one report came out that he did practice, and then there's another one that he didn't, but he was there. So... It's kind of interesting. I say we watch that tomorrow and Friday uh, to find out for sure uh, if that's going to be something that you're, you're going to want to be able to play him. So just watch the Dalvin Cook news, I think, and figure out what's going on. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. All right, let's move on to our segment where we play over-unders. And let's do a little bit of a recap from week two. Uh, so we had Luck, Crowell, Keelan Cole and Jared Cook, and then the Battle of the Coopers was our flex spot. I went four for five last week. I only got luck oh. wrong. We all went over on uh, on his score. I don't I don't have it written down what it was, but we all said over, and he was way under. It was not a very good day for luck. Uh, Crowell, we all said under as well, and we all got that right because he had a very bad day as well. Keelan Cole, you guys took the under. I had the over, and that turned Ooh-wee. out in my favor, yes. Uh, Jared Cook, we had an over-under. I believe that one was like 6.06, and he got 6.9 or something. It was just barely over. Uh, so Kata took the under there. Strong through yeah, two weeks. I, we, we took that over. <laughs> and then the Battle of the Coopers, of course, Amari Cooper popped off last week, and uh, he was a better play. And I took that upside. I, I remember saying that. I, I'm playing the upside. So good day for me. Okada had one, Betts had two, and I had four. Ooh-wee. Which uh, brings me actually to the lead, seven uh, to five to five. So that's uh, that's gonna be fun all season. I am excited for this to swing back and forth. But let's talk about this week's over underscores. A couple of interesting names here on this list. No particular reason I picked them other than I thought they looked fun. Uh, for quarterback this week, we're gonna do Deshaun Watson. His over underscore is set at Yahoo projection of nineteen point four. Bets? Hmm. What do you, what do you say? I'm going to go over with Watson. 
Um, we saw what the game was like against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. The first play of the game, Tavon Austin, huge bomb. I'm going to predict it now. Will Fuller, same same scenario. Um, and uh, he's going to go over that mark. Okada? Um, this is a tough one for me. I kind of feel like this game is going to be low scoring, and so I want to go under, but... He's going to get some rushing yards. He is probably going to get a couple bombs, like uh, like Betts was saying. So I'll, I'll take the over here, but just barely, like 19.7. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to take the over as well. Unfortunately, we're going to start off boring on this one because he just plays so well when Fuller's on the field. Uh, so I'm going to take the over. Moving on to the next one, we're going to running back. We're going to talk about the guy who uh, is stepping up for his second week in the job, Sony Michelle. Running back for the New England Patriots, he is projected at 9.1. So let's start with the Patriots fan, Okada. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on Sonny Michel this week. I actually even considered him for my start of the week. Um, The Lions have been awful against running backs so far, and obviously it's a relatively small sample size, but they have not looked well. Uh, We even saw Isaiah Crowell run all over them. Uh, Burkhead is still, we don't really know what's going on with him. He appears to be hampered because they really didn't feed him too much. And Michelle didn't get a ton of snaps uh, last week, but he did get a lot of carries uh, relative to the number of snaps that he had. So I think that increases a little bit snap-wise, and those carries go with it. I think they're leading for most of this game, um, and they give him a chance to kind of show what he's got. So I'll take the over. All right, Betts? If I could just echo everything Okada said, I would do that. I'm going to save our listeners and just give them the, the over here. I agree with Okada, everything he said there. I'm going to take the under because in one league I started Rex Burkhead two weeks in a row and he did terrible, and now I'm going to start Sony Michelle, so I will expect him to do terrible as well because mm. I'm 0-2 in that league and very unlucky. Um, now, I think it's just going to be split work is my real answer, and I just think that, uh, well, he might have some opportunity. I don't know if he gets used on the goal line yet, uh, so I'm going to just take the under and say he, he'll get close on yards, though. Let's move I on to. I do our, think we should yeah. quickly point out James White should be owned and is flexible all over the place. If you're in a PPR league, I don't think we give him hardly anyone gives him enough respect for what he does. But if you're in a PPR league, he's going to get five, six, seven catches a game, maybe more um, sometimes, and get a few carries and score a touchdown every once in a while. So make sure that if he's on your waiver wire, he doesn't stay there and he gets on your team. Hundred percent agree. Let's go on to our wide receiver position for the over-under segment. We're going to talk about Sammy Watkins. Now, last week he looked pretty good out there, but uh, do you think he does it again? He's projected at 10 points on the nose. We'll start with uh, bets on this one. Yeah, it's hard to predict anything less than an absolute explosion for that offense, but um, we've kind of seen scenarios where through the first two weeks, Tyreek Hill explodes, then Travis Kelsey explodes, and a little bit of Sammy Watkins. I think it's going to be one of those kind of yo-yos where Watkins is up and down and up and down. Um, I don't think he does it again this week. I'm going to go under against San Francisco. Yeah, I, I'm i going to take the over on Sammy Watkins. Um, he actually leads the team in routes run, which might be a little bit surprising. Um but he's he's out there. He's on the field. He's getting opportunities. He had a great game, uh, like Ken mentioned. So I, I like him in this. I think it's going to be pretty offensive game. Uh, plenty of points scored, and I think he gets himself eh, five catches, 60, 70 yards, maybe scores a touchdown. But even if he doesn't, that should be enough. You know, I'm actually going to take the under, and I'm a, I'm a Sammy Watkins guy, but uh, they haven't used him yet 
inside the opponent's 20 in the, in the red zone. So it's kind of concerning. I was hoping he'd be more of a touchdown target for this team, and maybe they, they switch that up this week, but based on the first couple weeks, uh, that has not happened yet. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the under on Sammy Watkins. Moving over to the tight end position, we're going to talk about O.J. Howard, who just had himself a pretty good week. But uh, coming up this week, he is projected for eight points. Uh, Okada, do you think he's going to be over or under? This is another tough one. I feel like you're picking tough ones on purpose, Kent. I am. Um, Howard, he's going to make his bank on one, probably one. I was going to say one or two catches, but it's pretty much going to be one. So it's whether he gets that one or not. This Steelers-Bucks game on Monday night, I expect it to be a shootout. Um, But I'm going to take the under. I think that he doesn't get that big catch this week because he's gotten it now a couple weeks. Uh, and for some reason, Fitzpatrick really, really loves receivers, and Winston likes his tight ends, but Winston's not there yet. And even when he's back, he might not be there, because apparently Ryan Fitzpatrick's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'll take the under. You mean Conor McGregor? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that interview was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take the under as well. Um, I kind of touched on it, but just the volume isn't there. This is basically... Uh, you know, a, a betting type of game, obviously, which is what we're doing. So if I'm a betting man, I'm going to take the under, just given that the volume's not there. You're relying on a touchdown. I don't think it happens, as Okada mentioned. Fitzmagic does not like that tight end position quite as much as he likes those wide receivers. So I'll go under. And uh, I'm going to match you guys because he's a pretty low opportunity. He's only had, I think, three and four targets the first two weeks. So you're really banking on big plays, which Fitz has been able to accomplish, but I don't think it happens every week, so I'm taking the under. Yeah, and, and if he does have a subpar week, um, and especially if he has a subpar week and the Bucks don't do that well, Fitz looks bad, throws a couple picks, they lose, go and trade for O.J. Howard because he has looked really good when he's gotten the ball, and with when Winston comes back, if he gets to start, he will get the ball more. I can almost guarantee you that. That's a good point. Um, so Howard could have a huge breakout coming up soon. All right, and then last but not least, we got to do our flex situation this weekend. We're doing the skull situation, and we're gonna pick between Diggs or Thielen. This is a this is an in- interesting one, I think. So Betts, who do you want? I want both, honestly. Um, <laughs> That's you know, and I know this isn't a flex question, really, but yeah, totally. I thought it was if fun, you've got so. either one, obviously you're starting them. Um, I would flip a coin, honestly, on this one. We've been, <laughs> we've been a Diggs show all along. I'm going to stick with our boy Diggs, and I'll go go with him. Yeah, we, uh, Bess and I, when we at least when we pick the, the same answer, we tend to have the exact same explanations, and that's happened again. It, I take Diggs only because I've been Diggs, but it's literally a coin flip, and both are solid. Yeah, um, I like Diggs more. I think he has much higher touchdown potential. Thielen's been great uh, racking up yardage and catches, but uh, if I'm looking for a big day, it's Diggs. So I am also going to say Diggs. By the way, I don't know how, if you, any of you guys, listeners or my co-hosts here, have seen the next-gen stats info on uh, like percent likelihood of the catch being made. That's not what it's called. There's a much more professional name for it. But Thielen's catch where Cousins threaded it through like a oh. tiny, tiny football size yeah. into his basket into the end zone. Oh. That was the least likely chance of completion of any throw this entire season. Was it really? Yes. Wow. That's awesome. That was That's incredible. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, oh I my believe God. You that game. That. Don't, 
Don't get me. We talked about the game real quick on the waiver pot, but that was a fantastic game to watch, even though it ended in a tie. Yeah, Kent's getting all hot and bothered over there, just just talking about it. <laughs> don't don't make me play the skull chant. I, I would have if we won, but we didn't, so I can't. Um, but anyway, on to the next segment. Drivers, start your engines. Let's talk about our starts of the week, guys, that we think are going to pop off and go out for big big days. So, uh, Betts, how about you kick it off for us? Yeah, I'm going to go back to an offense that looked absolutely atrocious in week one, which scared everyone, but they returned to form uh, in week two. I'm going back to the Detroit Lions and Marvin Jones. I'm going to fire him up this week with confidence, and the reason is the volume is there through two weeks, eight and nine targets, um, and he found the end zone last week, so he's, he's kind of coming back to what he does, which is which is score touchdowns. Um, Detroit, because their offense has to throw the ball so much, relies on that volume, and because the defense is so miserable playing against the Patriots, they're going to be behind. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. So I like um, a second-half garbage time type of performance from Jones where he finds the end zone once or twice this week. Um, and listen, we saw what happened last week with the fighting Blake Bortles, Jacksonville Jaguars, what they did to the the pass attack um, and the defense in New England, which the you know the receivers there just absolutely went off with big plays. So that's Marvin Jones' game. He's got a great matchup. I'm playing him this week, and I'm going to rely on that touchdown. Yeah. Are, do you have any concerns that Galladay might be stepping up and kind of taking the role that Marvin Jones had uh, most of last year? Uh, I think it's going to be a situation where Jones and Galladay kind of go back and forth throughout the year with Tate being that reliable PPR option. There's very few offenses in the NFL that I'm confident in starting all three pass catchers. The other one off the top of my head being the LA Rams. Um, I think Jones, Tate, and Galladay are all going to be great options in fantasy throughout the year. You just might have to pick and choose which spots you play uh, Jones versus Galladay, but I'm going Jones this week. I think he finds the end zone. Yeah, and in this particular week, I don't even know if you have to pick one or two. I think all three might have good weeks because they're going to need to score a lot of points. So I'm on board. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a good idea. It's uh, He's been getting targets, so you hope he kind of bounces back a little bit in a big way like he was playing last year. Okada, let's swing it over to you. Give me your start of the week. So I'm going to... I don't know if this counts as cheating, but I'm going to do a little stack here. I'm going to take a Jimmy Handsome Garoppolo Pierre Garcon stack. And the reason, primarily, besides the fact that they're both solid, I've liked both, and Goodwin is still banged up, is that they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. These are the numbers for the Kansas City Chiefs versus wide receivers over the first two weeks. 40 receptions, 414 yards, and four touchdowns. It's unbelievable. That's a lot of fours. That is absurd. <laughs> That's so, a lot of fours. Go ahead and give me some of this offense. They're going to need to score as well. Uh, you can tell we're picking players in high offensive games. These guys are going to need... I, I easily could see 10 catches for Garcon, over 300 yards for Jimmy G, and probably a touchdown between the two of them at least. So that's my start of the weeks. I like it, Okada. Coming in with the uh, the stack attack, that's the first one we've had on our start of the week segment. So uh, mm. well done, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do like it. I actually like the Jimmy G half of it a little bit better than I like the Garzon side because it sounds like Marquis Goodwin is going to be suiting up for this game potentially. And, well, 
you know, Garcon and uh, Goodwin have kind of separate roles in the offense. I think Peta showing up and kind of you know showing he can play might might spread the love and and George Kittle as well. Uh, Jimmy G is going to be spreading the love all around, and he's got a lot of weapons. He's got uh, Matt Breed out of the backfield he can pass to. There's lots of guys that could be getting the ball out there. So uh, love Jimmy G's side. I, I'm more on the I'm at like seven out of ten on Garcon. But let's go over to my start of the week. Now, this one, this might come in a surprise to you guys. And honestly, it surprises myself a little bit. I am going to start Ryan Fitz Magic this week. I, I I can't ignore it anymore. He's he's throwing just unbelievable throws. He's gone for two 400-yard, four-touchdown games in a row. He looks like he's playing the top of his game he's had his entire career. And now... He's had a long and uh, uh, illustrious career. No, no, he's, no. He's, no. He's been, I, I couldn't even mark? say it. I couldn't even say it without questioning myself. But um, we know what he is, and he'll probably return to that at some point. However, he's playing against the Steelers' defense that is one of the defenses that looks almost as bad as uh, like the Chiefs or the Buccaneers in terms of secondary right now, and they are giving up tons of passes as well. Uh the, the offensive weapons look great, every single one. Is there one that looks bad on this team right now? It's a very similar situation. Evans looks great. Jackson looks great. Uh, Godwin looks great. And even uh, O.J. Howard has been getting those big plays we just talked about. I don't think there's any reason that they stop passing as much as they do, especially considering you know Rojo hasn't played yet, Ronald Jones, the running back. Uh, and then Peyton Barber's been getting carries, but he really hasn't been doing that much. So... Why not just sling the ball 35, 40 times and get 400 yards again? I don't see why they don't with, with this passing attack. And the, the Steelers are a situation where uh, I'm ready to start them. I'll put them out in my starting lineup. Yeah, this so is I'm excited. the yeah. perfect storm for Fitzmagic to come in there and, and do what he's been doing. Horrible defense against a good offense. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton, like you mentioned. They can't run the ball to save their lives. Passing is the only way to move the ball downfield. Um and listen, man, when you've got chest hair like that and he looks that good on the podium <laughs> after the game, how can you not put him in your lineup? I am uh, I'm starting him in a couple places this week because I went in on the action. So I'm with you, Kent. Let's let's start him this week. Yeah, the Steelers. Uh, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever had a rocket upwards of liking a player more in my entire life than Fitzpatrick from before that presser to after it it was it's unbelievable. so awesome have you guys seen the, the pictures thing. going around i think it was like his his harvard days in his football uniform yes versus, yes uh the podium picture and it was just absolutely glorious oh my god he's just he's a stud right now and um let me let me clarify that i don't think he's going to be a great season long guy but for one more week if you claimed him off waivers i think you're going to be happy so Fitz Magic is my start of the week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to hear word out of you. Sit down! Now, let's go on to our sits of the week. These are guys we are not so excited about, and uh, we'll probably be having on our bench this week. Uh, we'll swing it over to Okada. Okada, I want you to give me your sit of the week. This I just saw it. <laughs> it's make, it started <laughs> to make me laugh. Go, go ahead. Start talking about it. Yeah, so apparently I'm just cheating all over the board because I'm taking an entire team for my sit of the week, and I'm What's also next? going to put. Gonna, a dis- 
Are you going to sit a division next and then a, yes, a conference? Yes, we're going to move just our gonna way It's just going to slowly... Anyway, Listen, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm putting a disclaimer on this that this sit of the week lasts for the entire season or until further notice, and it is the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. This week oh. they're playing the Vikings, which is especially painful, but this team is just terrible, and the Vikings defense is probably one of the best they'll come up against all year. So this is just a perfect storm of, of horror. McCoy, who is the one potentially startable guy, sometimes is banged up. I don't want any receivers. Which, by the way, I think it's worth pointing out that this is kind of an unusual situation. When even when every when the team is bad, someone's going to get receptions. Someone's going to get rushing yards, and they have to score some points. You would think. So we almost always pick some players from each team that are startable, if on nothing else in volume. But I can't do it. This team is just too bad. This offense is atrocious. And I'm sitting them all until further notice. I can't blame you, man. Yeah. How long do you guys think it's going to take before the Bills organization starts giving away free tickets? <laughs> or, or paying people to go? In even, all seriousness, maybe? man. Once, it's been, it's been once miserable. Once the temperature drops below like 50, that oh will God. probably start no happening. One, no one will be, be in that stadium. Yeah, there will be snow and this team. Heck no. Yeah, so real quick, in my snap count uh, article on the footballers this week, I, I mentioned that on the Bills in week two, no player had more than five targets. And there was also four players that played uh, 47% of snaps or more in the wide receivers, I should say. It's impossible to try and find a single guy who's going to stick out any given week, even if you were looking for some uh, potential upside play. I think the only one that like maybe might qualify as a DFS play for me once or twice would be Zay Jones. And everyone else is off the board for me. Yeah, and you can't even rely on, on LaShawn McCoy anymore for sure. I mean, that's no, he's not even an RB2. He is a flex play at best, and you're just relying on volume, which, to be honest with you, hasn't really even been there that much this season. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's yucky, as Kent would say. <laughs> yucky, very yucky. <laughs> All right, uh, Betts, how, how about we swing over to your uh, sit of the week? Yeah, I'm sitting down a guy who I was very excited about coming into drafts just a couple of weeks ago, um, Mr. Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald. Listen, it's it's bad news, not just in Buffalo, but also in Arizona. Um, through two weeks, that offense has been atrocious. They've run the least number of offensive snaps and plays um, in the NFL. So for Fitz, who... You know, his success in the past four or five years has relied strictly on volume. Um, it's just not there. We saw him get banged up a little bit with the hamstring injury uh, last week. Obviously, he listened to Jarvis Landry and Hard Knocks because his hamstring is not falling off the bone. He will play in week three. Um, but we know that those can linger for a couple of weeks. So uh, it's just hard to trust him at this point until we see a resurgence from that offense, if at all this year. Sam Bradford. Literally the worst passer rating in the NFL. Um, it's just a mess there in Arizona, and I want no part of it. So I'm sitting Larry Fitzgerald this week. I really like this one. I actually uh, contemplated picking it as my set of the week for a while before taking the cop out and going with an entire team. Um, and I, the reason that I didn't was because I feel like those the Bears – uh, defensive line is going to be in the backfield in like 0.5 seconds on every play. Those big scary and bears and yes, the big bass. <laughs> yeah, big and, scary uh, bears. Uh, I figure Bradford is going to just be 
throwing quick passes to Fitz all day and he might get 15 catches. But in all honesty, they're probably going to sack him before he even has a chance to throw the quick passes. So, yeah, this is this is a mess. I like this pick. Now, guys, I, I don't want to say I told you so here, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, stop it. I kind of know. I'm just kidding. It really isn't because of Larry Fitzgerald, so I'm not going to say I told you so. I think he still looks okay. A uh, little bit of, you know, ham, uh, hamstring injury, right? And, uh, yep, dealing you know, with the what, he's fine. He'll be fine. But, um, no, the offense in general just looks bad. The offensive line looks bad. Mike McCoy is a bad offensive coordinator, and I think that is the root of all the problems in Arizona right now. And even if they switch over to Rosen, I don't think it's going to get any better so long as McCoy is the one calling the shots down there. So, uh, for that reason, I am also out. Real quick, before we move on to the last one, we got to talk about it real quick while we're on this team. What are we doing with DJ, guys? Because this is a scenario that I think a lot of people are getting ready to hit the panic button, myself included. Uh, well, Ooh. if you want to know what I'm actually doing, it's I'm sending probably what are considered bad trades and hope that someone panics. And then also hope that Mike McCoy gets fired. I mean, that's really all it is. Uh, I'm not, I'm not actively pursuing him too hard, but if I get him on the, the dirt cheap, then I'll, I'll take a chance at it basically. Yeah. He, he can't be worse for the rest of the season than he's been so far. Um, and the coaches have talked about getting him more involved and getting more creative, which by the way, cracks me up. Like, how do you have a whole off season of preparation with one of the most dynamic running backs in the entire NFL and you're just now realizing after two weeks that you have to get creative and get him more involved and put him in the slot and things like this. It's just, this is the reason that teams like the Cardinals are bad and teams like the Patriots who go get Josh Gordon for a fifth and the Vikings who pick up Dan Bailey are good. It's it's yeah. so sad. And if you want to see the misuse in action, go to Next Gen Stats on NFL.com and search David Johnson's rushing chart. I It's... Every single rush is right up the gut. They don't use them in open space at all, and it is just—it's just awful to look at. So, uh, anyway, let's let's move on to uh, the last hit of the week here. It's it's my guy that I'm going to sit down. It's it's Carlos Hyde, and now this is a guy who I was actually excited about coming into the year, but frankly, so far he has not looked that good, and he's been bailed out uh, by getting a touchdown once each week in week one and week two. However, uh, in week one, he went 2.8 yards a carry. And in week two, he did himself, uh, he, he went even worse and got 2.69 yards a carry. He's getting the opportunity, but he is not turning it into, you know, what could be a little bit better in terms of yardage. I think Nick Chubb is waiting in the wings. He's the 35th pick overall from this year's draft. Uh, he's a great all-around back who could play three downs. I think he's waiting to get his shot. Uh, and and as soon as we see him in a game where he gets 10-plus carries, I think it's going to be the Chubb show. And I think Hyde's going to get uh, relegated to the backup duties. Could be, could be a cut candidate at the end of the year for uh, the Browns, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a situation that's starting to worry me as well. Um, listen, man, the Browns do Browns things. And when just when we get excited, uh, we can't rely on their players quite as much as we would hope to. I think I'm still okay rolling out Hyde this week. Like you mentioned, the volume is there. Um, if you're interested in a flex play, then I'm okay with it. I think that you definitely should hamper expectations for sure. Um, but it definitely depends on your options at, you know, at this point in time, I will say he does play on Thursday night. So if you are going to play him, move him out of your flex spot and put him in your positional uh 
starting roster spot at the running back position so you can free up that flex but uh that's for that's discussion for another time i uh i'm comfortable playing him if you have to yeah and uh, one of the great one of the reasons this is a great pick i think is because he's pretty much a flex type of guy and in your flex you should be looking for either very very safe or high upside and i don't think Hyde is either of those I think it could easily not get that touchdown and therefore be a complete dud. Or he, you know, gets his touchdown and his two yards of carry and he scores you 11 points or something like that. But that's not upside that you want. So this is a good call. Yeah, the Jets uh, front seven has only allowed uh, 112 yards rushing so far. Good for fourth best in the league. So uh, they have not been using Hyde in the passing game very much either. He's only had two targets week one and one target in week two. Uh, and only had a reception apiece. So not a lot of PPR value there either. Um, and, yeah, I'm not excited about Hyde this week. 4,002. Ah. Uh, Mr. Burgundy. 4,003. Just doing my workout. Oh, it's a deep burn. All right, we're on to the flex. Our next segment where we're going to pull out some guys who are uh, kind of in that flex tier uh, where you're deciding between maybe a couple of names and you're not sure who to flex. So we're going to tell you real quick, real uh, short explanations if you're going to flex them or if you're going to say, nah, maybe next week. So let's start with the top one here on the list, Isaiah Crowell. He is playing a revenge game at Cleveland. Do you guys see that being uh, something worth flexing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's about right. Crowell, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Isaiah Crowell is capable of taking revenge. Um, no, but but really, I see this more as a Powell game. Uh, so I'll take the next on this one. I am with you, Okada. I am going next as well. Unless you absolutely have to start him in a deep league, I want nothing to do with Crowell. I'm going to say next, and even better, I'm going to say he is that one long touchdown away from being a drop candidate, to be perfectly honest. Mm. So I'm not very excited about Crowell this year uh, from what I've seen so far. All right, next we're going to talk about Tyler Lockett. He is playing at home against the Cowboys. Bets? Yeah, I think I'm comfortable rolling him out there, depending on your other options. He's not someone that I'm excited about just because of the fact that uh, Dallas does have a really good front seven, and they've got a lot of pressure on Eli. Last week, I expect more of the same against a terrible offensive line in Seattle. Um, I think the passing options are going to be limited there. So I prefer to next him if you have to absolutely do it as a desperate play, and he's got the upside. Uh, that's only a situation I play him. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Most of that as well. Um, he, I mean, he is going to be one of the better options until Baldwin comes back, but... In this particular game, I'm going to go next. Yeah, I'm also going to go next. Uh, Russell Wilson last week was my sit of the week. That turned out being a good call. That was a just a gross game. The Bears defense does look pretty strong, though. So It was big, scary um, Bears. Big, scary Bears. That's the Minnesotan in me coming out real quick. But All right, let's go on to Jamal Williams. He's playing at the Washington Redskins. And keep in mind, Aaron Jones is officially active and playing this week. Okada, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flex him, and I'm not scared of Aaron Jones. Uh, the coaches have said he's pretty much coming in as the third back, and I think they need Jamal Williams' pass protection even more with Rodgers banged up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the train with Jamal. I am not on the train with uh, with you, Okada, on this one. I'm gonna next him. Um, I am concerned about Jones. Maybe not for this week, but. 
Uh, for me, moving forward, it's not a matter of if he takes over the backfield. It's a matter of when he takes over that backfield. Um, Williams has been pretty average so far. Uh, I'm going to next him this week. Yeah, I tend to agree. I know Jamal Williams is uh, touted as being a really good blocker, and for that reason I know Mike McCarthy, uh, the terrible Green Bay head coach, likes him. So he's probably going to continue to put him out there. If it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers being on the Packers, McCarthy would be fired like two years ago. So, um, yeah, no, he I know he likes Jamal Williams. So unfortunately I think this week is going to be just a wash. So I'm going to say next on Jamal Williams. But I also agree that Aaron Jones – will emerge as the lead rusher on this team for the season. Going on to Corey Davis, the number one wide receiver. Why is he a flex or next candidate? Well, it's because he's playing in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. And Marcus Mariota might be coming back to action. I guess we don't really have official word of that yet, but I would imagine he's he's looking that way. So, um, Okada, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think you probably have to flex him if you have him on your team but if you have other options if you picked up a Quincy and Nunua or something like that then I would next him so it's this one's team dependent but I'm gonna say flanext flanext we have a third answer for this segment I'm just taking all the cheat routes this yeah uh, this pod no kidding (laughs) all right uh bets I'm going to next him mostly because of the matchup and because of the fact that the offense just has not looked um, quite as explosive as we had hoped that it would be. Uh, I think season long, he will still become a very valuable fantasy asset, but for this week, I'm going to go ahead and hit the next button. I was really torn about this one because uh, he's been getting a lot of targets and you know Jacksonville is obviously a team that is pretty good at locking down wide receivers, but... Uh, if I had to pick one or the other, yeah, I'm probably I'm probably flexing him on opportunity alone. And uh, like you said, Okada, if he's on your team, he's likely one of few options to flex. So you might be forced into it. Just don't expect a huge day. Uh, I think beyond week three, though, things look good for him. Uh, we kind of already talked about this one, but let's let's go through real quick. Pierre Garcon at Kansas City. I think we already know Okada's answer here. Oh yeah, give me that flex. All right, bets? Yeah, I'm going to flex him too. I, I like the matchup, and I think it's just been a matter of time before Garcon really steps up uh, in this offense. Jimmy G is going to find him this week. I like him. Go ahead and start him. You know, and even though, like I said earlier, I was more lukewarm on the Garcon part, I think he's flex-worthy this week, so I will also say flex. Let's go on to Royce Freeman. He is playing at Baltimore against that stout Ravens defense. Uh, how do you guys feel about that one? Kind of an this iffy is another, situation, yeah. Yeah, this is another really tough one, but it's kind of similar to the Corey Davis situation where I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in the player and probably want to flex him. Uh, the matchup's not great, but I guess with Davis, I said flanext. With Freeman, I'm just gonna say flex. <laughs> Starting to get a little more decisive over there, Okada. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and hit next on, on Freeman. Um, I think it might be tough to to sit in this week, depending on what your options are. Um, I personally would play Philip Lindsay over him. The coaches come out and just said they're going to ride the hot hand, and, and it worries me, and I truly am concerned about Freeman moving forward. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit him if I have the option to do so. Yeah, I think i got to just admit that I was wrong about Lindsay, and uh, I'll say next on Royce Freeman. I'm going to sit him down and just hope things get better if he's on my team. Going on to Corey Clement playing at home against the Indianapolis Colts. 
I'm going to go ahead and say flex on this one, considering that the other options are beat up right now. I think he's got a good opportunity with Wentz back in play. He could go for a touchdown, uh, have himself some some good opportunity there. So what do you guys think? I got flex. This isn't put him in my RB2 even uh, if Ajayi's Ooh. out. If Ajayi's in, I actually would still flex him. Uh, so I'll take the flex for sure. Yeah, he was a candidate for potentially a second start of the week for me um, with the caveat of Sproles and Ajay being out. So I like it, Okada. Even if they do play, I'll be comfortable flexing him. He's an RB2 if those guys are both sitting this week. All right, and let's just do the final one here. Let's go with Austin Eckler. Uh, we haven't talked about them too much this uh, episode. So Austin Eckler is playing uh, in Los Angeles against the Rams. So Betts, how you feel about him? Yeah, the battle for L.A. Um, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one because you've got two great defenses and two great offenses. Uh, so I think that it's going to be one of those situations where you're hoping for a big play to kind of bust and just break free. Um, I'd feel more comfortable sitting him if I have the option to. I'm going to say next for this week. Um, first of all, I would like to share a fun nugget that the last time that two L.A. teams played each other in the NFL was 1994. And the number one song on the Billboard charts was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. I just had to share that. That is a fun fact. <laughs> uh, but uh, as for this flex or next question, I'm going to flex Austin Eckler until future notice. Every single week, this offense, between him and Gordon, for some reason, they're able to get production out of both. I think he'll catch passes, even though Gordon does that well as well. And I think that he'll be on the field enough to put up flexible numbers. Yeah. No, I uh, I definitely agree. Right now he's pacing like 1,700 scrimmage yards on the year. And granted, it's only been two weeks. But his involvement is significant. And I think he's got a good reception floor here. So I'm going to flex him. I'm in the same boat. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, let's go into the mailbag. We got a couple of questions we got on Twitter today. We we kind of were a little late in getting the thread up, so we only have a couple today, but that's all right. We'll get it up nice and early for you next week. Uh, get your start, sit questions or or other fantasy football questions. It doesn't matter. Just throw them our way, and we'll talk about them. So let's start with uh, a friend of ours from the uh, TFA family. He's written for the site before. This is at Kai Squared. He wants to do a start, sit question. So let's see. It looks like we have five flex options he needs to sit two of them so we're starting three and sitting two we have tyler lockett playing at home against dallas giovanni bernard playing at carolina brandon cooks playing at home against the chargers alex collins playing at home against the broncos and sammy watkins playing at home against the 49ers so let's swing it over to okada which two would you sit out of this group of five this is tough on the second one. Tyler Lockett's definitely going to be my first sit. Geo, I think you have to start. Cooks, you have to start. And then it's between Collins and Watkins for me. I will sit Collins, sadly. Uh, that that's that's tough. But yeah, I'm I, I'll sit Collins and start Watkins. That's it's a risky call, but I'm doing it. Bets, how do you how do you feel about this? Yeah, I agree with I agree with Okada in the sense that Geo and Cooks are definitely two of your starters here. So it's between Lockett, Collins, and Watkins. Um, we kind of already touched on Watkins and Lockett earlier in the show. Um, I'm gonna definitely sit Collins. It's been 
brutal for the first couple of weeks, so he's on my bench. And then I'm going to go ahead and bench Tyler Lockett. I'll roll with Watkins uh, against the 49ers. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat as you two guys. Collins has the curse of Javorius. He will uh, be unfortunately having some work stolen from Buck Allen. So okay, one more, one more over well. under. Uh, how many halfback dives from the two yard line? Oh for my god, Buck way, Allen. Way too many <laughs> is my answer. At least uh, three, with none being successful. He got one this last week, but boy, does he just not look good doing it. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm missing something, but yeah. All right, let's go on to the next question here. This is from at fan Alex thirteen. He wants to know Dallas defense special teams or the Miami Dolphins defense and special teams. Now this is a little bit different. They got two points per sack and turnovers, so a little bit more points for the sack here. How do you guys feel about this? Wow, I can't believe I'm going to take a team playing against Russell Wilson at home, mm-hmm. but I'll take the Cowboys, especially in this sack format. He got sacked six times last week, and granted, that is an elite defensive front, but we've talked about the Cowboys being a very good one. So I'll take the Cowboys here. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm with you there. We saw what they did to that offensive line, and we saw what the Cowboys' defensive line did to the Giants. So I predicted a very similar scenario. Lots of sacks, lots of opportunities for strip sacks with Russell Wilson. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Cowboys on this one. Now, those sacks are very valuable. Um, boy, but I think this this uh, Dolphins secondary is pretty strong, actually. It's it's really not that bad. They're playing All right, so the Dolphins are playing against Derek Carr, and that offense has not looked so good so far. And I think that, you know, if Carr continues to be off his game and throwing, throwing those passes where he's got his hands up in the air halfway uh, down the field, then you know that uh, they're in for a rough day. So I think that the Dolphins could kind of ball hawk him a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Dolphins just to give you a little bit of uh, additional information. Let's uh, let's talk about the last question we got here. This is from uh, at M. Stutz Mitchell. He's a member of the Listener League. And he is wondering if he should start Philip Lindsay or Corey Clement, assuming... Jay Ajayi is out, and even let's let's also assume Jay Ajayi is in a reduced role uh, in case he does play. I mean, you heard me say earlier. I think that Clement is an RB two at least if Ajayi is out. So I'm definitely going to take Clement here. Um, if Ajayi is out, I, there aren't too many guys I'd want to start over Clement from a flex or uh, RB two kind of situation, especially with Wentz coming back. So, yeah, 100. This one's an easy one especially given that he gave us that caveat that if uh, Ajayi is out, so if, if he's out, Clement, 100%, no questions asked. Yeah, and I think i got to take Clement here as well, even though Philip Lindsay looks good. I think that Clement's just in the better situation this week. So I am also going to say him. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Richards Fantasy Football Podcast. We love having you. Uh, sending these mailbag questions, a list of the starts and sits of the week. We uh, definitely appreciate it. You guys have been uh, very supportive of us this off season in our first year here. So thank you for all the support and follows on Twitter and reviews and everything else. So uh, before we get out of here, just real quick reminder, you can check out the other shows in the Fantasy Authority podcast tree. We have the Dynasty Life uh, run by Travis May and, and a couple of friends over there as well. And then the DFS DJ Nation 
uh, podcast is Kevin and a couple of his goonies as well. So you can go listen to those podcasts. They're very entertaining, very fun, very informative. So thanks for everything. Um, And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Here comes the young